I've come here today because there's a horrible crime that's being committed uh, in the Christian community and it has to stop. It has to stop. We need somebody to be an adversary. We need somebody to be a mediator. We need somebody to be an educator. We need somebody to rally the troops and put a stop to this crime that is taking place. I'm telling you, I see families suffering because of this crime. I see finances suffering because of this crime. I see marriages suffering because of this crime. I see that there's the state of mind of people. They've lost their peace uh, because of this crime. I see people suffering in their body, in their health because of this crime. I see relationships suffering because of this crime. And it's got to come to a stop somebody's got to stand up, somebody's got to be an adversary, somebody has got to shine the light on what has been happening around the dark corners that the enemy has been getting by with. There is a crime, and I say enough is enough. I say it's time to stop the insanity. Y'all think I'm going to get a, a, a little buzz cut and, and, and get a workout program, right? It's time to stop the insanity. Y'all remember the days... Uh, that was the phrase, you know, we got to stop it, but we got to stop this insanity. And, uh, and I believe the Lord has called me and, and shown me to, to be one of those adversaries, to be one of those mediators, to be one of those educators to help in this and to teach the law, to uphold the law, to make everyone on this earth abide by the law, to live by the law. And we're talking about the law of righteousness that is found in Christ Jesus. So you ask me, what is the crime that I'm talking about? I'm mad. I'm telling you, I'm mad. I'm sick and tired of seeing this crime. I'm sick and tired uh, uh, of seeing it uh, continue without challenge. And you say, what crime are you talking about, Pastor? Well, I'm talking. Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. Okay? Because I'm going to tell you. Because you asked, I'm going to tell you. And uh, it's the crime. It's a violation of double jeopardy of double jeopardy. Father, we pray as we study your word today. Holy Spirit, that you who wrote this word will give us inspiration and insight. You will give us revelation and illumination, Lord God, that we would not be hearers of your word only, but we'd be able to roll up our sleeves and put it to practice to see the full manifest of your word work in and through our lives. To you be the glory and the honor and the praise, for it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The crime is violating and it's double jeopardy. What is that? This is a legal term that uh, means that you cannot be tried for the same crime twice. It comes from the Fifth Amendment of the United States Constitution and it says this. It says, no person shall be subject. No person. Say, that's me. That's I did this side, you guys. No person. That's me. That's, that's me. No person shall be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy for life or limb. No person. No person. If you are a citizen of the United States, let me tell you what, this is your legal ground that no lawyer, no judge, no prosecutor has any ground to stand on when you stand on this law that no person shall be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of, of, of life or limb. Meaning you cannot be prosecuted for the same crime twice. You cannot have imposed on you more than one punishment for a single offense. And I'm telling you, this, there's a violation in this. There's a violation in this. And I pray today it, it will stop in your life. 
that you will, uh, you will be educated in the law of God's Word and you will not allow the accuser of the brethren to be bringing you subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy for life or, or for life or limb. Because this is a biblical principle. This Fifth Amendment here is a biblical principle. As most good, righteous laws that you will find in any land, especially here in America, find their foundation in the Word of God. They come from the Bible. So this is a book of law that we have here, the law that God is going to uphold. And we see here this biblical principle means that we are not to be tried twice for the same offense that would be double jeopardy. But unfortunately, because we don't know the Bible, there are those who have usurped authoritarian positions who don't have a righteous heart. As many and as wonderful as those who come under the code and they come under the covenant of whatever authority that they represent and they do it with a righteous heart to help and to serve people, there's always going to be those that have an evil intent. There's always going to be a rotten apple in there and I grew up on a farm, and what you did is you identified the rot, and you removed the rot so that it didn't corrupt the rest. You didn't just put up with it. You didn't just give a blinded eye to it. You didn't ignore it and hope it would go away because you knew it was not going away. So you identified the rot. You removed the rot so that the rest could be saved. Well, let me tell you, the devil has brought some rot amongst the Christians. The devil has entered in through a legal, uh, seemingly loophole, and the loophole is the law is not on his side, but if you don't know the law and challenge the law, he will pretend that's the law. He'll tell you that this is what you have to do, and he, he'll tell you it's legal, and you believe that's what you have to do if you don't know better. Well, you're going to leave here in the next few minutes, and you're going to know better. You are not going to perish for a lack of knowledge. You are not going to allow the enemy to do this to you and your family anymore. We find in John chapter 8, verse 31 and following, where Jesus says to the Jews who have become believers in him, they see him, they believe he is the Christ, they believe he is the Messiah. And he tells them, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. There's something about this truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And here they responded to him, they, and they said, well, we are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will make, be made free? But Jesus responds to them, and he said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin... Anybody here want to raise your hand and say, I've committed a sin in my life? Only one. I didn't say a lot. I didn't say a lot. At least one. At least one. Anybody not raising their hand near you? Go ahead and bump them and tell them you better raise your hand because you're a liar. Okay, okay. So Jesus says, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Now that's not pretty language. That is an atrocity. Slavery is an atrocity. It is, an, it is an unrighteous, unjust bondage to take advantage of someone's weakness. It is not good. 
And Jesus says that if you commit sin, it puts you in a position where you become a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son, a son abides forever. So he's saying what God has done is opened his door for sons and daughters to come in. That we can be born again and we can become joint heirs with Jesus Christ and we can be co-laborers with God and we're now a priesthood, a royal priesthood of all believers. He's talking about this principle here. He says that, that and in that, he says, I've come as a Messiah to make it happen. That's why he says in verse 36, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Say free indeed. You have just said in English a, a Greek phrase that means double jeopardy is, no, is yours. You cannot be charged with this crime ever again. You're not just free, but you're double free. You're not just free, but you're free indeed. Did you get this? That every one of us, born again, every one of us, our sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been made free, right? We've been cleansed. The sin has been done away with. There was no covering up of our sin as only a lamb's blood could do in the old covenant. We have a new covenant. And the new covenant we have was mediated by a, a greater high priest. And in Hebrews it tells us that greater high priest was Jesus Christ himself. And he, he wrote this covenant, he negotiated this covenant, this better covenant for us on better blood because it wasn't the blood of goats and lambs and doves but the blood of the Son of God. And he says it was built upon better promises. So what we have in the New Testament, in our new covenant, is so much better than the old covenant. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. And in that, when we believe and place our faith in Jesus Christ, we're set free. He washes our sins away. You know the, the, the song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Sometimes I think we forget what Jesus has done for us. That we should be singing a song of praise. That we sing amazing grace. How amazing it is, the love of God. That here I was a wretch and He saved me. He washed me with His blood. He cleansed me and He made me free. He didn't cover it up or, or erase it. He annihilated it and removed it as though it had never, ever even occurred. And many of us, while there are a lot who don't even rejoice at that place anymore, I pray we would never do that, that we would rejoice and sing and dance and say, thank you, Jesus, for washing my sins away. Hallelujah. But many within Christendom stop right there. And they thank God for the blood that washes their sins away and they live right there still living under the weight or the penalty or the dominion of their sin. There, it's been forgiven them, but the, the moral liability of it is still weighing in and binding them. And they feel like until they get to heaven, that they've got to suffer for the sins of the past. They've got to suffer until they get to, to heaven one day with Jesus. But I'm here to tell you today, and we're speaking legally this morning, that Jesus paid to remove our sin. Yes, He did. He says, I've come to, son, to set you free, 
But he didn't stop there. He says, and to make you free indeed. No double jeopardy. So he says, what I've come to do is to wash your sins away and to break the curse of that sin, the, the enslavement that that sin, the power that that sin held over you. I've come to break that as well. And he explains this in, in, in that phraseology. So you want to dig deeper into that understanding of the freedom and free indeed that he has given to us. That takes us to Galatians 3 and 13. And in Galatians 3, 13, it tells us Christ. Say Christ. Christ. That's not Jesus' last name. That is who he is, the anointed one, the Christos. He has redeemed us from what? This curse of the law. Not just to wash the sin away, but that curse that came of the bondage and this slavery that these uh, Jewish believers were not understanding. Jesus is educating them as He is educating us. That He came to redeem us not just from what our sins had violated the will of God, but also that curse that it brought on us. For cursed is He who is, it hangs on a tree so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, the Word of God says here. So we see this word Christ right there, Christ. So that means the anointed one. Christos is it in the Greek, and it is the anointed one. And the, the Jews, then, when Jesus said that, they, these Jewish believers, they understood what he was saying. He, when they, he said, that, you know, Christ, you place your faith in Christ, he, they said, wow, the Christos is the one who has the power from God to bring to earth the burden-removing and yoke-destroying yoke authority of God. They understood the twofold purpose, that it was the burden-removing and the yoke-destroying. So when we see Christ, we see that it is in two parts here, for it, it gives us this understanding of being free, yes, free indeed. So you see this here, weight. That's when you sin, the weight of your sin came upon you. And that's, that, that violation of God, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Death was weighing in on you, separated from God, separated from His love, separated from His blessings, separated from His eternal uh, uh, home for you. And here, that burden was on you because you sinned. And we've all sinned, so all of us know this burden. And all of us have seen what the enemy has done in our violating the will of God. But the Christos has two parts, and the first part is the burden-removing or the one who lifts the burden, lifts the weight, and lifts the debt. In other words, you were totally bankrupt. You had the weight of bankruptcy on you. You had the weight of condemnation on you. You had the weight of going to prison camp and busting rocks up for the rest of your life to pay back for your crime. You were to be fed just a little bit of rice and a little bit of water every day. You were to suffer in chains. You were to be in a chain gang the rest of your life because you've now, the weight of what you have done has come upon you and you've got to pay for it. So with Christos, when Jesus says, Christ, I am the Christ, and Paul says Christ has the one that, that redeemed us from this curse, the first part of Christos is the burden removing. In other words, Jesus stepped in and says, yes, you're bankrupt, but I'm going to pay your note in full. 
I'm going to pay it with my blood. I'm going to pay it with my life. I'm going to pay it with my righteousness so that now if you claim righteousness, you have to claim it through me. You, you did, couldn't earn your righteousness on your own, but you can have it through me. I will mark your, your note paid in full, and it will be marked in red because it's been paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we thank God for doing that. But let's go to the second part of Christos, and that is it is the yoke-destroying power of God. So not only does He lift the burden and pay our note, he also is going to destroy the yoke of the, or the moral liability that that sin had wrapped us up. Like these, this oxen is tied by the horns with a yoke. Sometimes they use it around their neck and they yoke them together. And where one went, the other went. So now the consequence of your sin, wherever it goes, it's going to drag you in that. Yes, you were forgiven. Yes, you're born again. Yes, you're a Christian. But you're still bound. You're still under condemnation. You're still just a miserable worm. You're Yes, you can't believe God for healing. Why would God want to heal you? Look what you did way back then. You would believe God for prosperity, but you were mishandled money back then and He bailed you out. How can He trust you now? And that, that weight, that, that not the weight, but that burden, that yoke is around your neck. But He here, Jesus is saying as the Christ, I not only lifted the burden, but I have destroyed the yoke. You are no longer a slave to the moral liability of that sin. Amen. If you're free, free indeed. Hallelujah. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. The burden has been removed and the yoke has been destroyed. That's Galatians 3.13 in a nutshell there. He says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. See, Jesus, he lifted the burden by shedding his blood and his blood being sinless. So he lived, had to live until full adulthood. That's why he, and he started ministry. Then he had to, as a rabbi, he had to prove himself. He had to be tempted and tested in every way, just like you and I. But he, he did it without sin so that his blood could lift the burden. But there was still this, this uh, legal hold of the moral liability of your sin that you've got to pay for what you did. That, you know, it's restitution, you might would say. This is your restitution, and the devil was going to run you as a slave the rest of your life in restu uh, restitution because you had sinned. So Jesus shed that sinless blood, but listen, Paul tells us he did not shed that blood just anywhere. You remember Jesus told Pilate, he said, nobody takes my life. No one is taking my life. I lay my life down. And Jesus started his ministry. They tried to stone him to death, and he disappeared. They couldn't find him. There was a time they wanted to throw him off of the cliff, and they couldn't find him. He was not there. See, Jesus could have died anywhere, and his blood would have lifted the burden. But he had to die on a cross in order to break the chains off of us so that we could be free indeed. Hallelujah that we could be free indeed, and even the moral liability of it. So what he did is he says back in Deuteronomy, I think that scripture, I have it for you in Deuteronomy 21, 22 and 23, it says, look at the latter part of that. It says, uh, when he's, he's hung on a cross, deserving death, he says, shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day, so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance, for he who is hanged is accursed of God. So if he hung on a tree, and this was back in Deuteronomy before crucifixion was ever even thought of, the Spirit of the Lord was putting this loophole in the law so that Jesus not only was going to shed his blood to take the weight of sin 
and the guilt of sin off of you, he was going to go purposely and die on a tree so that our curse could come on him and that curse come off of us that he could stand, you might would say, on the cross and, and there in the courtroom on the cross, he took our curse and he paid the debt. And now why in the world are we sitting over here all meek and mild and the, and the prosecutor is up there, Satan himself, telling the judge that we deserve sickness in our body, we deserve lack in our lives, we deserve strife and turmoil in our relationship, we deserve fear and pain and agony as long as this, we're on this earth because what are we? We're just a bunch of sinners saved by grace but we sinned, we were violators, and we deserve it. And the prosecutor is telling every dirty story and every dirty thought you've ever had to the judge, and the judge is waiting for you to object. He's waiting for you to find your legal ground to object so he can sustain what the prosecutor is saying. And what you've got to learn to do is you've got to object. You've got to object. Say, I object, Your Honor. This is double jeopardy. He's trying to put on me what already was put on Jesus. Jesus took that. I cannot be tried for this. I cannot be held guilty for this. I cannot be held punishable for this. I cannot be held to be uh, repaying for this. Jesus has already taken it. And the law says you cannot try a man or a woman twice on the same offense. Uh, and this offense has been taken care of. Jesus died on the cross uh, to break this yoke off of my neck, to break this yoke off of my head, uh, that this thing is not going to lead me and control me and direct me for the rest of my life. And the moment you do that, you will hear the judge say, sustained and he'll tell the prosecutor you shut up and if you bring this up again I'll hold you in contempt of court and I'll lock you up hallelujah but we've got to stand our ground hallelujah my people perish for a lack of knowledge God said we've got to know we've got to know we're sitting there waiting for the judge he said well, God if you're the judge you object so we're basically saying, God, we want you to not only to provide the blood, sinless blood, to wash my sins away, we don't want you to only provide your only begotten son to hang on a tree that the, my curse could go on him to remove this yoke off of me. I want you to get out of your judge's chamber. I want you to get out of your judge's robe. And I want you to come down here and I want you to be the defendant as well. God says, there's a place where you got to do your part. If you believe, there's a time where the redeemed has to say so. The redeemed has to open their mouth. The redeemed has to put the devil to fly. The, de the redeemed has to speak to their mountain. The redeemed has to let out of their tongue uh, uh, an action of faith saying this is what God's word says and I'm standing on God's word and I'm not backing down and I am not going to listen to this one more moment. Uh, I, your honor, I object. This is not relevant. What this prosecutor, accuser of the brethren is saying, it is not relevant. And you will hear God say, sustained. And you will find that that prosecutor will humble himself and shut up in your life. And you'll walk out of that courtroom free. No, free indeed. Hallelujah. Praise God. In the Old Testament, we, I don't know why we want to still live in the Old Testament. Look at somebody and say, are you crazy? 
Are you crazy? I mean, we're not killing lambs and we're not killing goats and we're not killing uh, oxen, so don't pretend. If you're not going to do that part of the Old Testament, stop holding on to this part of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, Nathan told David, remember that when David, oh, he's a man after God's own heart, but guess what? He'd sinned. And when he sinned, you know, with Bathsheba, the prophet comes to him. And the prophet, and, and David repents. Eventually, he repents. And, and, and Nathan tells David, he says, you are forgiven, but the sword will not depart from your house. See, Jesus hadn't gone to the cross. The death on the cross did not remove the curse. The blood of the lambs pointing to Jesus' blood would give him forgiveness. He still couldn't go to heaven. He had to go into paradise. And then Jesus had to be able to usher him into heaven. But let me tell you what. He couldn't, he couldn't be released from the moral liability. So Nathan said, the sword shall not depart from your house. Boy. And here, David saw exactly how that happened and, and played out in his life. When, you know, his children, there's murder, there's incest, there's, there's adultery, there's a quest for power to, to overthrow him. All of this took place because there was not yet the cross. Too many of us Christians are still living in that Old Testament mentality that Jesus died for our sins. And yes, he did. But I'm here to remind you today, he also died on a cross for the burden or the curse of your sin to be removed off of you. You don't have to live like David did and watching his sons and the murder and the incest and the adultery and the, and the overthrow of the throne and all that. You don't have to have that generations passed down, that moral liability carry you. You can say it ended with Jesus on the cross. And I'm not allowing it in my home, in my children, in my family, in my life. I'm not allowing it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.17, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words. Look what he says. Lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. There's, there's an effect of the cross that Paul says we need. We need the effect of the cross, which is the yoke being destroyed off of our lives. Hallelujah. So it is, uh, he said, the cross of the, of the burden-removing and yoke-destroying power of God must be preached. It's the cross. It's the cross. It's the cross. Hallelujah. The cross is the reason the devil is not allowed unless... We allow it through ignorance. We just don't know. But you're not leaving here today in the I don't know. The cross is the reason that he is not allowed to do what he wants to do in our life. The cross is the reason the devil's not allowed to bring a curse in any area of our life. Don't you allow it. Is Jesus the name above all names? Come on, is Jesus the name above all names? Does the Bible say greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world? It sure does. Well, then why does the devil have so many Christians defeated? Why is the devil running rampant in our homes and in our bodies and in our finances and in our lives? My people perish for a lack of knowledge. Man, we got to understand the power of the cross. we got to understand. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And that those who are perishing literally means uh, those who are stuck on an in ongoing destruction. They're stuck in on ongoing destruction. Anybody in here got an area of your life that's just stuck in an ongoing destruction? Well, the, the, you, the message of the cross is, uh, is foolishness to them 
but to those who are being saved. You've got to say, wait a minute. I'm the saved of the Lord. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. I'm being saved. I'm being sanctified. I'm being raised up. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the Most High God. The message of the cross to you who will believe, it's the power of God. Hallelujah. Come on now. The revelation from God says the price has been paid. Jesus said, it is finished. It is finished. So we must not allow the enemy to continue in this area of our lives. Please don't miss this revelation. This revelation will set your marriage free. It'll set your children free. It'll set your finances free. It'll set your health free. It'll set your life free. It'll set your relationships free. That Jesus not only is the burden remover, but he's also the yoke destroyer. Hallelujah. We're not just free. We're double free. We're free indeed. We're free indeed. Do you hear that? We're free indeed. Double jeopardy is a legal term in the commandment, I mean, in the uh, amendment of the Constitution of the United States that says, now, let me tell you, if we can go into a physical courtroom and we can say, even without an attorney, we can say, your honor, or if we're trying to be indicted, they're trying to indict us before grand jury or something, and you say, look, according to the U.S. Constitution, Amendment 5, okay, listen to me double jeopardy I shall not be tried twice no one no one should be tried twice and let me tell you why and you point to the cross and you say there on that cross Jesus took my curse he paid my sin debt but he also took my curse the moral liability of this sin and if he has already paid me in my name he's already paid for it you cannot charge me again you cannot hold this against me again I'm free. No, I'm free indeed. And you will find your honor will say, you are correct. Objections sustained. Prosecutor, go find somebody else to, to antagonize. This, this gentleman, this lady, they're going home. They're going home. You're free to go. You're free to go. But you got to stand up for your right. you got to stand up for your right. And you got to say, wait a minute, I'm not going to allow double jeopardy. I'm not going to allow it anymore. I'm not going to allow the devil to get by with this. I am going to put up a fight, a legal fight. Yes, I've learned my legal terminology. I know exactly what I need to do. And I'm going to stand on my right. I'm going to stand on my right that Jesus Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for me, for cursed is he who hangs on a tree, that Jesus says the Son will set me free, not just free, but free indeed. I'm double free. I'm double free. think it's neat that Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he took the fruit of the vine, the blood of the grape, and he says, these here I want you to do in remembrance of me. I want you to do it often. I don't want you to forget. I'm even giving you something to hold and I'm giving you something to taste. I got to keep your focus on the importance of my body and my blood. Now, if it was just the burden removing, we would just be drinking the cup. But that body was nailed to a cross. It died. That body physically was broken and died. Where? On a cross. On a cross. So that not only was the burden lifted off of us, but the yoke of that moral liability of that sin that would want to control you the rest of your life has been broken off of you as well. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah! Therefore, he whom the Son sets free shall be free indeed. Let us stand together. Father, hallelujah, we stand in your presence, Lord. We stand here today, God, thanking you. Thanking you for loving us so much to send your only begotten Son. Jesus, thanking you for loving us so much you were willing to come here to this earth and to live a sinless life. To say no to every temptation that your blood might pay our account in full. That it might lift the burden off of us. And thank you, Jesus. You didn't go out easy. You didn't let them just push you off of the cliff. You didn't let them just hit you in the head with a stone uh, to die. But you were willing to go to the cruel, rugged, uh, uh, to horrible, horrendous uh, death on a cross one of the most painful experiences known to man the devil would have done everything to scare you as a human being to not die on the cross you even said father if there's any other way let this cup pass for me but not my will thy will be done and Jesus you went to the cross you went and hung there and died there and bled there and was broken there for us Lord God that not only was the burden removed but the yoke destroyed hallelujah that we're no longer bound, that we're free. Yes, free indeed. And we pray today, God, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that would say, I need to acclimate, I need to stand up, I need to exercise my legal authority and bring forth this yoke-destroying power of God in my life. Thank God He's forgiven me my sin, but I've been under the uh, moral liability of it. I've been condemned of it. I've not uh, been serving God like I should because I don't feel like I'm worthy. I don't feel like I'm uh, uh, able to. I've let the devil tell me that I'm always going to have these negative thoughts and I'm always going to be bound uh, to these things of the past but I'm ready for my second level of freedom right now and I'm going to receive it right now I want you to just lift up your hands in the name of Jesus and say I receive it right now I receive it right now in the name of Jesus hallelujah I am free indeed hallelujah just say, I receive what you did for me on the cross, Jesus. I receive the death that you died for me in my place on that cross that the yoke might be broken off of me. And I stand up and I declare, yoke be broken in the name of Jesus. Bondage be broken in the name of Jesus. I'm coming up out of this slavery to sin. I'm coming up out of this heaviness. I'm coming up out of this condemnation. I'm coming up out of this being held under by the lies of the devil. And I'm going to rise up like an eagle. I'm going to rise up and be the creative the one that God has called me to be. And I'm going to rise up in the freedom and the liberty that God has for me. In the name of Jesus, I claim it. In the name of Jesus, I put my foot down in the courtroom and I put the accuser of the brethren, I put, put the prosecutor in his place. I object. I object. And Father God says, sustained. Now go home in your freedom. Hallelujah. Give God some praise. Give God some praise. Hallelujah.